Welcome to the AV Podcast. Anthony V. Hill with you. Got a lot to talk about today. We'll recap week 14 of the NFL. Plus, we'll look at the college football rankings. And we'll also take a look at the Hero World Challenge. Of course, Tiger Woods' event down in the Bahamas. We'll talk about that coming up in this podcast. But we'll begin with what was the game of the year in the NFL on Sunday. And that was the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints. And what a game that was as the 49ers won it on a last-second Robbie Gold field goal, 48 to 46 the final score big win for the San Francisco 49ers and quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo had a pretty good game 26 of 35 349 four touchdowns and just one interception on the game and quarterback Drew Brees he also had a good game 29 of 40 349 passing yards and five touchdowns in that one and really not a whole lot of defense but uh, we like offense in the NFL and boy did we get it it was like a track meet going up and down the field these two offenses and at one point New Orleans going up by double digits and you think well okay now they're at home that defense can toughen up that crowd noise will get to San Francisco but that wasn't the case Jimmy Garoppolo they they continue to fight offensively and because of course we know how good that defense is and again even though they gave up 46 points and a lot of yards uh, they did just enough uh, to win it and boy that offense looks good for the San Francisco 49ers and you know, they've got a good running game with Brita. We know how their receivers are. They got that acquisition with Emmanuel Sanders, who has really played well since that trade to San Francisco. And, of course, George Kittle, probably the best tight end right now in the NFL, and set up the game-winning field goal along the sideline, gain of at least 30 yards. He was had a face mask while that play was happening as well and so that added to uh, the end of the play half the distance to the goal to set up just a chip shot to win the game and Jimmy Garoppolo this was a big test for him can he win a big game on the road and the answer is yes he he did that and he again he only had the one interception uh, but when you couple that with the four touchdown passes on the game uh 349 passing yards. Uh, I think he certainly checked off a lot of boxes for a lot of people as to can he win these big games down the stretch. Um, And he proved that he can with that win against the New Orleans Saints. So again, San Francisco, uh, that offense looked great. They scored 21 points in the second quarter. Um, And then uh, with the win, they improved to 11-2. And New Orleans falls down to 10-3 on the season and we talked about it a couple weeks ago about this big road trip of San Francisco where they went where they had the home game uh, against the Green Bay Packers they won that one on Sunday night they go on the road to face the Baltimore Ravens they lose that one and then they go on the road again down to New Orleans a very tough place to win doesn't matter what type of team you are uh, but they get the win so they go two and one on that tough three game uh, stretch and I don't think a lot of people expected them to go 2-1. and one. I certainly expected them to go 1-2. and two. I thought their only win would come against that Green Bay team at home. I thought they'd go 0-2 uh, against uh, Baltimore and New Orleans on the road. But going 2-1 and one during that three-game stretch, I think we learned a lot about the San Francisco 49ers. 
and just who they are. And I think even more offensively, because that's the question mark that everyone has, Jimmy Garoppolo. And he certainly proved that he could win the big time games when he needs to. So again, two and one on the three game stretch, that tough three game stretch for the San Francisco 49ers, but they get a huge win uh, to continue to get that number one seed in the NFC. Another game that was getting a lot of people's attention, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills up in Buffalo. And a really big game for both teams. Of course, Buffalo coming off that big win on the road against Dallas Thanksgiving Day. And Baltimore, well, they won at 24-17 to the final score. And Lamar Jackson had a decent game, 16 of 25, 145 passing yards, three touchdowns and one interception on the game. And just 257 total yards of offense during that game. And that's not quite the numbers we're expected to see from that Baltimore Ravens offense. We're used to seeing them put over 300, if not close to 400, to the mid-400 yards of total offense. But, uh, you know, those are the type of the games where you just got to do enough to win the game. And that's what they did. And, of course, that defense come up with a big stop, fourth and eight game-winning stop. And Marcus Peters, who they traded for about a month ago from the Los Angeles Rams, uh, made the game-winning play. So he's a big big trade for the Baltimore Ravens. He's really played well uh, in that defense for Baltimore. But they get the win, and with the win, they clinch a playoff berth and improve to 11-2 and and still hold on to that number one seed in the AFC. So again, a not... No crazy numbers coming out of that Baltimore Ravens offense against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, But again, they just did enough. Uh, The defense played well, only giving up 17 points. Going on the road, December football, uh, really played well. Uh, So again, they clinch a playoff berth and improve to 11-2 on the season. The surprise game of Sunday, that was the Denver Broncos and the Texans as the Broncos won that one 38 to 24 and rookie quarterback Drew Locke had another impressive game 22 of 27 for 309 yards three touchdowns and only one interception and meanwhile Deshaun Watson 28 of 50 for 292 one touchdown and two interceptions and again this Broncos offense over the past three weeks or so they have gotten off to great starts to the game. And that's what they did yesterday. You know, they, they the very first play, they throw it to Noah Fant, and Noah Fant gets a big chunk of yards on the very first play of the game. And that seemed to motivate this offense. That got this offense rolling. And here's a team that was 4-8. and eight. They go into Houston. Houston coming off a huge Sunday night win the week before against the New England Patriots. First time they've beaten the Patriots in over 10 years. And a very emotional win. And... They just came out flat against the Broncos. And the Broncos, give credit to them, they took advantage of that. They came out, they were aggressive uh, offensively, they were passing the ball. Uh, the running game wasn't as effective as it they had hoped for. Uh, they really beat the, the Texans by being just a one-dimensional team, and that was passing the football. And you can just, I mean, it just speaks for itself, the numbers do, with Drew Locke, 22 of 27 for over 309 yards, so... You know, the question is, did the Broncos find their franchise quarterback? I think it's a little bit too early to answer that question. 
Uh, but through two games, it certainly looks good if you're a Broncos fan, and if especially if you're John Elway, who has just completely missed on getting quarterbacks, you know, ever since Peyton Manning. So, um, you know, the, the future certainly looks bright in Denver. You've got a lot of young players offensively and defensively with Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, uh, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman on the offensive side. And of course we know on the defensive side, Kareem Jackson, what a game did he have yesterday, the former Texan. And uh, he definitely had something to prove yesterday and that's what he did. Uh, so they got a good nucleus in Denver. It's just a matter, it just goes back to the quarterback position and not turning over the football, being productive, taking care of the football and, through the first two games, Drew Locke has done a nice job doing that. You know, on the road, uh, getting a big win on a playoff team, a team who is fighting for that three seed probably. I don't think they can get up to the number two seed, but certainly fighting for that division nonetheless with uh, Tennessee at their heels. But uh, yeah, great offensive start for the Broncos. But again, as we've seen in the past, they're a great first half offense, but once you go to the second half, they stall out for whatever reason. And that's you as a Bronco fan, you kind of you were worried at halftime yesterday, even though they had that huge lead. You thought, okay, we've seen this story before, just a couple weeks ago when they had a twenty nothing lead against the Vikings. But they were able just to do enough uh, in the second half, and again create the turnovers defensively and get the big win down in Houston. So the Broncos, again, 391 offensive yards uh, yesterday, and the defense created three turnovers. The Broncos improved to 5-8 and eight on the season. See if they can win out, get to a winning record, at least get to 500 on the season. And meanwhile, the Texans, they fall to 8-5, and five, and the Texans are one of those teams that are just so inconsistent you know, one week they look unbelievable, like they could just steamroll over everyone, and then they go out, they put up a, a performance like they did against the Broncos, and you just you just shake your head because you just don't get it with that talent that they have offensively. Defense is a little shaky, but they played well last week against the the Patriots. Granted, the Patriots offense isn't the great the isn't the greatest this year, uh, but the Texans are probably the most inconsistent team in the NFL right now because you just don't know what you're going to get. And uh, like I said, they are in a race for that division as the Tennessee Titans have put together a pretty good run here with quarterback Ryan Tannehill. We'll talk about that game coming up here in just a moment. But again, the Texans fall to 8-5 and five on the year. So tough loss for them at home against the Denver Broncos. All right, another big game yesterday. Rematch of the AFC title game last season as the Kansas City Chiefs went up to Foxborough and the Chiefs getting a big win, 23-16 the final score as the Chiefs improve to 9-4. The Patriots fall to 10-3 and and New England got off to a good start offensively and then it was all Patrick Mahomes after that as he had a pretty good day, 26-40 for 283, one touchdown and one interception. And, you know, we talk about that New England Patriots offense, and quite frankly, it's just bad at this point. Uh, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher this season, which is unbelievable to think when you have Sony Michelle, uh, who looked really good last year. But they just can't get anything going. Uh, you know, 
Julian Edelman is the only receiver who can create any type of uh, separation and who is the only receiver who has any type of chemistry with Tom Brady on that offensive side. And, you know, he just doesn't have enough time uh, to stay in the pocket, to let his receivers try to get open. Um, And by, you know, by the time the receivers get open, uh, the pass rush gets to Tom Brady and he's sacked and he's either sacked or he's throwing the ball away. We've seen him throw away the ball more than he ever has in his career. And so it's frustrating offensively. Uh, it just seems like if they don't have any kind of trick plays, then they can't move the ball. And that's what we saw yesterday. We saw a lot of trick plays uh, by the New England Patriots and and they worked. But when you when you have to run the football, when you, you know, it's third and short, uh, third and medium, and you have to convert those third downs to extend the drive. They just can't do that. And, you know, we've, we've seen it with Tom Brady, his frustration, and even the fans yesterday booing the offense uh, at the end of the first half. And uh, when was the last time you heard the crowd booing the Patriots in Foxborough? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that um, because, of course, we're used to the Patriots winning big time. But uh, give credit to the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, the Chiefs defense, that was a question mark. That was their their Achilles heel, uh, giving up so many yards, so many points. Uh, but over the past couple of weeks, they've played well. They've created some turnovers. Uh, but again, I'm not buying too much into that because, again, it was against New England. We know how their offense is. Uh, and again, Tom Brady, he he did have one interception on the game. He was 19 of 36, 169, and one touchdown. So, you know, not great numbers at all. Um, rushing, James White led the way with six carries, just 33 yards. Um, and actually second on that list is Tom Brady, who had two carries, uh, and 20 yards rushing. So, um, you know, when Tom Brady is second on that list for rushing for New England, it's probably not a good sign. So, again, that offense, you know, this time of the year, we're used to seeing the Patriots rolling at this time. They're clicking on all cylinders offensively and defensively. And that's just not the case this year. We know they have a good defense. Offensively, it just it kills them. They cannot move the football. Um so they're getting pressure to Tom Brady. That offensive line isn't holding up really well against pass rushing. Uh, so now what we're seeing is we're seeing defensive coordinators blitz more, uh, getting to Tom Brady, and ultimately double-teaming Julian Edelman, creating one-on-one coverage with the other receivers like Mohamed Sanu, and they just can't get any separation. They don't have the chemistry. Um, so things, you know, it's, it's it's not looking good right now offensively for New England. And, and it's it's strange that it's like this because if this were to happen earlier in the season, you know, okay, then they can go out, they can try to trade for someone. Uh, but right now, now that we're so late into the season, you really can't do anything. You got to you gotta make do with what you have on the roster. And quite frankly, that's not really impressive uh, what they have on the roster right now. So, you know, they still are 10-3. and three. Um, the way Buffalo's playing, they may try, can catch, uh, New England in that division, but I would still put my money on New England for winning that division as they've done so for the past number of years. But other games, Buccaneers getting a big win divisional game against the Colts and the Colts pretty much their season is done as they try to make a playoff run, but they are practically done as they lost to the Buccaneers. Vikings get a big win, 20-7, to as they continue to fight for their division. They got a Week 16 matchup against 
Green Bay. That'll be probably for that division, so that'll be a good one coming up in a couple of weeks. The Packers win by five over Washington. Browns 27-19 over the Bengals. Falcons, big win against the Panthers, 40-20. Of course, the Panthers firing Ron Rivera, and things don't look good in Carolina right now. Chargers, they get a big win, 45-10 against the Jaguars. And the Titans winning big, 42-21 over the Oakland Raiders. And again, they are making a playoff run, the Tennessee Titans, as they improve to 8-5 on the season. And Ryan Tannehill continues to play well at the quarterback position, 21-27, of 27, 391, three touchdowns and one interception on the game. And that running game, really good against the Raiders as Derrick Henry led the way with 18 carries, 103 yards, and two touchdowns on the game so uh, Tennessee they have played well with Ryan Tannehill and meanwhile for the Oakland Raiders they put together a couple of wins they had that loss against New York now they've had a couple of losses in a row and now fall to six and seven on the year so their playoff hopes are more than likely done Um, it looked like they could try to put together a playoff run but just unable to win the big games that they needed to as they fall 42 to 21 Pittsburgh, they continue their playoff chase as they get a big win down in Arizona, 23-17. to And give credit to Mike Tomlin. Boy, he, after starting 1-4, and four, you know, they have put together great wins. Uh, they've used three quarterbacks. And just give credit to him. He is just so consistent. Um, we know Pittsburgh, they don't like to fire their head coaches. They've only had three head coaches in the history of their uh, existence. So, Uh, Mike Tomlin, this may be the greatest job he's ever done as head coach of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers as, again, they are fighting for that wild card spot. And the Sunday night game, the Rams getting a big win at home against the Seattle Seahawks, 28-12. And the Rams, again, they're fighting for a playoff uh, wild card seed as well in the NFC. And Seattle, you know, they're, they're, it seems like they're either going to be the one seed or the five seed as they battle with San Francisco for the division and that top seed. So uh, they just looked flat last night, and you know they can't get behind early because if they get behind early, you know they they try to pass the ball a lot, and that offensive line really doesn't hold up too well uh, when they have Russell Wilson in that pocket. So they got to set up the run game. We know they want to run the ball, they want to rely on their defense, but. Weren't able to get anything going offensively last night. And and a matter of fact, didn't have a single offensive touchdown as that lone touchdown came from the defense. It was a pick six. So uh, we'll see if they can turn things around. But the Rams, a must-win game, and they certainly played well against the Seahawks. So the updated standings right now for the playoff picture will start in the AFC Baltimore with that number one seed, and they clinch a playoff spot, as I mentioned earlier, 11-2. and two. The Patriots steal the number two seed. And let's see, the Chiefs, a number three seed, as they win the AFC West with their win yesterday. The fourth seed, again, the Texans, 8-5, and five, uh, but they are very... They are neck and neck right now with the Tennessee Titans. And again, they go to Tennessee this coming Sunday, uh, and then they play the Titans at home last week of the regular season. So if Tennessee, they they can certainly win the division still. If they can beat ten, or the Texans twice, uh, the Tennessee Titans then would go up and win that division, the AFC South. So still a lot to play for in that division. 
the fifth seed right now, the Buffalo Bills, and the sixth seed right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, the Steelers and Bills play each other next Sunday night. And as I mentioned, the Titans, they're, they're outside looking in right now in the playoffs. But, again, they still have to play the Texans twice. If they can win those two games, they're probably going to win that AFC South. So still a lot to play for. In the NFC, the 49ers, they move back up to the number one seed at 11-2. and two. The Packers move up to the three or the two seed, 10-3 on the year. The Saints, they fall down to the three seed. And, of course, last week they locked up the division. Cowboys still right now at the fourth seed, uh, six and seven. And, again, the Eagles, they play the the Giants on Monday night. If the, if the Eagles win... They'll be 6-7, and seven, and it still looks like it may come down to that Week 16 matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles to win that NFC East division. Terrible division, but, uh, well, they're still the 4 seed. That's the way things go. The Seahawks right now in that 5 seed in the wild card, and the Vikings in that 6th seed uh, with a 9-4 and four record. And again, the Rams with the win last night, 8-5, and five, the 7th seed, and probably have to win out to make the playoffs so they've got the Cowboys 49ers and Cardinals for their rest of the games this season so that's a look at the playoff picture right now now let's move to the college football rankings of course championship weekend and some big games of course and the rankings came out LSU the number one team in college football 13 and 0 on the year and there was a lot of discussion Will LSU be the number one team, or will it be Ohio State? And I agree with the committee on this one. I think LSU does have to be number one because they do have five top ten wins this season, and I think that 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 puts a lot of emphasis on that. No question about it. Uh, but they did beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, thirty-seven to ten, down in Atlanta, and quarterback Joe Burrow, boy, he looked good in that one as they just ran over Georgia, just too much offense. And quite frankly, no one has been able to stop that offense for LSU. So they are the number one team going into the playoff. The number two team, the Ohio State Buckeyes, again, 13-0. They beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, 34-21, as they were down 21-0 at halftime and put together a great second half. But again, that number two seed, Going in, the number three team, the Clemson, as they again are 13-0 on the season. And Lawrence Taylor, 24-0 as a starter at Clemson, as they beat Virginia in the ACC 62-17. And of course, a lot of discussion about Clemson. Uh, again, in the ACC, it's not the greatest conference, not the 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 hardest conference in college football. Uh, but you got to give credit to Clemson. Uh, with Lawrence Taylor, as I mentioned, 24-0 and 0 as a starter is really incredible. Um, but they are the number three seed, and I think they're, they've got a little chip on their shoulder because I think they feel like they should be higher, if not the number one seed. Uh, but it's just their strength of schedule is what kills them in the rankings uh, because, again, they're in the ACC. They really don't have a big win against uh, a top-ranked opponent, and uh, that's why I think they're ranked number three. But nonetheless they still get in at the number three spot and Oklahoma gets in as they had a big win in the Big 12 30 to 23 in overtime actually against Baylor and again Oklahoma 12 and 1 
on the year as they get in for the third straight year. So they will play the LSU Tigers, let's see, in the Peach Bowl. And let's see here. And the Fiesta Bowl will be the Clemson and Ohio State. They'll battle out in the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl, Florida, and Virginia, the Rose Bowl, Oregon, and Wisconsin, and the Sugar Bowl, Georgia, Baylor, and it all gets started with the Cotton Bowl, Memphis, and Penn State. And Georgia ranks number five, Oregon six, Baylor seven, Wisconsin eight, Florida nine, Penn State ten. And the first time in the college football rankings history that Alabama is not in the playoff. But, of course, we know how they lost. They lost to LSU, and that pretty much derailed their chances uh, of making any playoff appearance this season. But LSU, boy, they look good. They look like they may take that national championship game. And I, I think they play, they're going to match up really well against Oklahoma because Oklahoma, I don't think they have enough defensively to stop that offense. We know they're dramatically improved defensively Oklahoma but they're not good enough I don't think to effectively stop LSU and quite frankly I don't think any defense can stop LSU right now as they have just rolled this season so there's the final rankings again number one LSU number two Ohio State number three Clemson number four Oklahoma and again the New Year's six slate gets started on December 28th so some great games in college football coming up in a couple of weeks. All right, the final segment of the day. Talk about the Hero World Challenge, of course, the Tiger Woods event down in Bahamas. And Henrik Stenson winning that at 18 under par. John Rahm finished in second at 17. Patrick Reed at 16 under par. And Tiger Woods at 14 under par in fourth place. And again, it's an unofficial PGA Tour event, but always nice to see some of the best players in the game of golf play every year down in the Bahamas at Tiger's event. And Henrik Stenson capping off a good year, or not a really a good year, but cap, getting off uh, to a great start to the end his season as he had a pretty much lackluster year on the PGA Tour. He got a new three wood. We know how good he is with his three wood. Uh, but uh, Patrick Reed, the big story, was during the third round as he was in a bunker and when he addressed his ball he was taking a practice shot and he clearly grounded his club and when he pulled the club back uh, he moved the sand and he was given a two-shot penalty for moving sand behind the ball not only once but twice and uh, he accepted that penalty and he said he didn't deliberately do it but I think Everyone knows he pretty much deliberately did to improve his lie because when you're in a bunker, you know you can't touch the ground. You know you can't move the sand to improve your lie. And even the 100 handicapper knows that. And uh, But he accepted the penalty. And, you know, that I think is significant going forward because we've got the President's Cup coming up down in Melbourne. And that Aussie crowd, I wouldn't be surprised to see them heckle uh, Patrick Reed throughout his matches and that may get to him we know how Patrick Reed always plays with a chip on his shoulder and he's going to even play more with a chip on his shoulder after this incident but uh, that may turn and backfire on the U.S. if it comes down to Patrick Reed on one of his single matches but uh, we'll have to see as again the President's Cup gets underway this coming week down in Melbourne we'll see how Team USA can do as they are looking for back-to-back President's Cup. 
Okay, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Vijo. Talk to you next time.